one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Today is March 27th. I guess when this gets released, we'll be in April. So April 3rd or 4th is when this is going to come out. So right before Easter, hopefully. That'd be interesting. But, you know, we're just flying through 2021. I think getting past uh, COVID starting to get into the rear view of a lot of stuff. Where Arizona just started to loosen some regulations here. And kids are back in school. And we're just kind of cranking along. But, uh Today, have Stephanie Arbaugh and Coral Henry from the Trust joining us again, and Mr. Chad Brinkley, our color analyst. And <laughs> Chad missed the last one, not to anybody's fault, but maybe my own for missing to invite him. So I apologize publicly to Chad for not Thank being you. on the di- director podcast. But welcome everybody back into the show Saturday morning. Thank you for being here. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Somebody just pop a beer. No, I cracked my knuckle. I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, you want to drink, drink at 10:30 on a Saturday? That's your prerogative, buddy. You know, that, I was thinking that on the way here. Like, can we do like 11, 11:30? That way, I can justify having a drink. Like, yeah. I don't want to, nobody judge me. I would like to go grab a glass of Pinot Grigio right now and sip on it. Just 10:45 in the morning. Well. I don't think there would be any judgment, being that it's a Saturday. I guess you could switch it up and hit a Bloody Mary if you wanted to. But Oh, I could act like I'm in Oklahoma, and it's 1230. <laughs> there you go. Five o'clock somewhere, right? That's the song. Okay. We're on vacation, time doesn't matter. Vacation go. time is drink time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. Steph and Coral, welcome back to the show. How you guys been doing since the last time that we have talked to you? Anything new and exciting in the trust world? I'm doing great. I I think the last time that we were together, it was before COVID. Yeah, it probably has been. And then Stephanie's been, been a, a few times since Coral's been here. So, Steph, I think mm-hmm. the last time we talked to you, the Seahawks were about to put a pounding on to the Cardinals, and then they lost. Why do you have to be so mean, Jason? I, it wasn't mean. It was just you were pretty adamant that the Seahawks were going to win. <laughs> I'm always going to be adamant that the Seahawks are going to win. Well, sure. You're a super and I, fan. And, and I'm not going to lie. I had some intense feelings over the last two or three months with all of this serious talk of trading Russell Wilson. I was talking to all my peeps back home in Washington, like, is this, is this serious? Is it, you know, is this just somebody putting it out on the news, but it's just gossip. What is it? And apparently there was a little seriousness there between the, him and Pete Carroll. So I, I, I don't know what I'll do if they, 
they get rid of Russell Wilson, I I don't know what I do. I don't want to. The draft the isn't, draft isn't, isn't over yet. It still could. Your your fate could still become a reality. What's that? We'll give you Ben Roethlisberger for him. He's just the start of his career. Oh, you're Chad, you and I cannot be friends. You can't talk that negativity to me and us be friends. Beth, ben Roethlisberger, no, boo. I figured Chad was a Dallas fan. No, oh, God. Please. Disgusting. Just because I'm from Oklahoma? I've got, I've got sense. Okay. Well, <laughs> Steelers look good, just... and then they died, so... It happens. Yeah, it happens. You don't have a running game. Yeah. Well, well, statistically, the Cowboys are up there in the top three or four teams that have done well historically. Why are they so vilified? I. What is the answer to that? Why are they so vilified? Jerry Jones. Probably. Is that it? Is that what it comes that, down to? That and their self-proclamation that they're America's team. You can't self like I'm America's. You know, I'm America's color. I got it. No. I'm, okay. I mean. If someone crowns me that, great, thank you. I can't crown myself that. I'm okay. going to get you a crown made, Chad. So <laughs> I'll wear it every podcast. I can't wait. Well, anyways, thank you again for guys being here. Uh, today we're going to talk about MAP21 and the uh, FMCSA Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse. So there's a lot of information that's kind of been percolating out there the last couple of years. There's some deadlines that have already come and gone. And we just want to get some information out there to folks about um, what MAP21 is moving ahead for progress in the 21st century and uh, the FMCSA Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse and what that is. What should you be doing for your drivers? Is there a requirement for just bus drivers or all CDL holders? We're going to talk a lot about a lot. So um, I guess kind of just leading it off. Stephanie, if you want to kind of give us the down and dirty or coral, either one of you, um, you know, just kind of what is what was this idea of the of map 21 and and the clearinghouse? Okay, uh, down and dirty back when President Obama was in charge of things, his team presented statistics that showed that all CDL drivers in the United States were uh part of and causing a lot of uh, major accidents out on the roadway. And what came from that study was CDL drivers weren't really held as accountable as they should be when it comes to uh, uh, safety, when it comes to their, their personal health, when it comes to being trained properly. So all of the things that CDL drivers have experienced change-wise in the last, oh, three or four years have come out of that, that study in 2012. And what's happening in school bus world is part of that overall safety conversation. So several years ago, all CDL drivers used to be able to go to their regular doctor to get their DOT physical. Well, the first impact of the map 21 was you know what we need these cdl drivers uh, a little more accountable for their health so you have to go to a certain doctor now who has to be qualified to do dot physicals so that was the first impact on school bus world uh the second one was uh when we started hearing about the map 21 which is actually 
um, training standards that CDL drivers didn't have before. It started coming out, okay, we have to, we have to redo our training nationally if you employ CDL drivers. So that's, that's one part of it. The second part of it. And the third part of it was the drug and alcohol clearinghouse, which is now in effect. And we'll talk about that, I guess, later. But these three things combined are meant to hold CDL drivers, not just school bus drivers, but companies who employ CDL drivers and the drivers themselves to a higher safety standard so that that statistic where CDL drivers were involved in accidents and causing accidents, so that statistics comes down. So all of the MAP21 and the clearinghouse stuff and having to go to particular doctors, the, the idea is that we will be safer out on the road because CDL drivers have better training, have more accountability, that sort of thing. So that's kind of that's kind of it in a nutshell. Very, I mean, it, so it's it's very interesting, right? The the thought process there, and I think when you think about what bus driver training has looked like in the last, call it two decades, right? Twenty years. There's been so much that's changed. Um, probably both at the federal level and even at the state levels, a lot of a lot of states are adopting kind of a uniform, one size fits all training method for. Um, you know, bus drivers across the state, others kind of leave it up to each of their districts to, you know, create a training model, so to speak, right? And so inside MAP21, correct me if I'm wrong, there's basically 93 training points or training topics that have to be met both on the road and in the classroom, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So I think like when you, when people first read this, they're like, Okay, so does that mean that I have to revamp my entire training process? Uh, is you know, is the government giving us a book that's going to say teach exactly X, Y, and Z, or you know, really there wasn't a whole lot of information other than these are the ninety-three topics that need to be met. Correct. True. So you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, kind of these one-man band, very small districts, very small organizations. You know, this does also apply to all CDL holders, so truck drivers and, you know, UPS drivers, I guess, anybody that's holding a CDL would have to meet this. Chad, I assume that you're, you know, wherever you got trained at to get your CDL, you're going to kind of fall under these guidelines or people that are new coming in might come in to be a new bus driver or a new uh, bus um, salesman. They got to get their CDL. They're going to have to meet these 93 requirements. And I think from what the Valley does, most of the sales guys typically go and sit in a classroom from the bus driver side, right? Can you answer that, Chad? Oh, <laughs> well, I've had my CDL since I was like 20, 21. Got it. Um, and there was no training. My training was, hey, see that big truck over there? Yeah, can you drive it? No. Okay, well, I need you to get in it. I need you to take it out here to this location. <laughs> um, okay. I said I can't drive it. I don't have a CDL. Okay, be there in about half an hour. Okay. And that's how I learned to drive a truck. And it was a class eight semi truck and a semi tractor, I guess. But anyway, so that's how I learned. And from Western Oklahoma, that's how everybody learned how to drive a truck. But none of this was in place when I started. And now the the DOT physicals where you go to certain, you know, certain doctors that are certified to do that, you can't go to your regular doctor, which I know there's probably pros and cons to both 
and I'm sure that everyone has their family doctor, the doctor they've had for 20 years. They walk in, hey, how do you feel? I feel great. Okay, here's your physical. That's probably why they did away with this. Am I correct? But that also happens on the flip side. I've also heard guys that walk in to these specific places for CDL physicals, and they say they weigh them. They ask them how tall they are. How do you feel? Here, pee in this cup. Okay, you pass. Goodbye. That's it. Like, there's nothing else to it. Yeah. And I've been – the ones I've been to, they're – they're pretty thorough. You know, they, they do everything they're supposed to, but so there's flip sides. There's, there's obviously doctors that just want the money. They don't care if these guys are physically fit to pass a DOT physical, which is a downside. And I've heard of it. So I know it does exist. <clears throat> that actually happened to me once before in the past. Sure. But I, um, I think that's where it comes back. If something were to happen and that, you, you know, that driver fa- was found to not be in the best health or had failing failing health that comes back to the to the doctor who's signing mm-hmm. off on that. So, you know, getting back on the topic of the of the training, so to speak, right? People are like really kind of panicked. They're they're well, what does this mean? How do I go? I'm I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't know how to just tear this down because I inherited this training program. I was taught this way and so this is how I teach it, right? So I guess you know, what, what is out there and how do they go find, you know, this, the, the training material and what should they be doing? I mean, what's, what would you say, Steph or Coral are the first kind of steps to go through your existing training program and find out if, how much, if any of it meets the 93 topic points on both behind the wheel driving and classroom training? Well, depending on where you are in the U.S., there's always the federal um, uh, website to go on to and look at what the topics are. Uh, People shouldn't panic. Don't panic if you've inherited a training program or you've been in a training program for years and suddenly you're aware of the fact that, wow, now we have new standards that we have to go by. 93 topics sounds like a lot. But here's the thing. Here's the government is predictable, if nothing else. What the 93 topics break down to are training proper procedures, processes, behind the wheel how to's, and make sure you cover the following topics. They call it 93 topics, but let's take a turn, a right turn in a in a big truck or school bus, for example. Of those 93 topics. say 10 or 12 of those topics fit into a right-hand turn. So if you teach right-hand turns properly, you've, you've met the threshold for, you know, 10 or 12 of those topics. They've broken them down into the minute detail. So my, my advice, I guess, for those people who, who are panicked about it and don't know what to do, first start by reading through what the 93 topics are according to that. And that's just for school buses. If we're talking, if you've got an audience out there, Jason, of uh, uh, trucking schools or someone like Amazon or UPS or Chad, even you who hires class A drivers that are going to be driving big trucks, 93 doesn't necessarily apply because that 93 is for getting a class B and getting the school bus and the passenger endorsements. So if you're a company somewhere in the U S who only hires, you know, class a, that number is going to be different, but do understand you should read through what applies to you first. 
and then sit back and understand, okay, well, they want me to teach this and this and this. Well, I'm going to teach that just by turning, by teaching right turns. And then, then they want me to teach this and this and this. Well, I'm going to teach that in one lesson of pre-trip. So don't panic, read through what applies to you and then understand. Yeah, they've said 93, but for the most part, you are going to find that your training program hits all of those. There's just going to be bits and pieces that maybe you hadn't taught before. School bus drivers don't do hazmat. So we have to now teach it. What, you know, what does that look like? Well, it's a very simple, we got to talk about it. It doesn't apply to us, but here it is. Let's move on. So there's going to be really very few surprises that a training coordinator or leader really is up against. I think that that's it in a nutshell. So you still have to cover hazmat. You still have to cover that, but it wouldn't be on their the school bus driver's test, correct? You mean at the state level? Yeah, yeah. I mean, go ahead. For the training you're talking about, you said that you would discuss hazmat, but they, they wouldn't be tested on that, correct? Well, for the general knowledge, all of that stuff is on there. There okay. are class A uh, truck and trailer um, hooking up questions on um, the general knowledge that a class B bus driver you know, has to answer. And that comes back to knowing what's in the CDL manual of your state. So that general knowledge test, those questions will pop up. But now we're being told by the government, if you're going to teach bus drivers to get a class B, you have to generally talk about hazmat and hooking up and things like that. It's just a, hey, it doesn't apply to us, but I'm going to go over this so that if a if an entity was audited, sure, it's in our curriculum. This is what we talk about. We don't go into details, but it's there. Sure. It, it can be you know that simple. So Coral, and, and you do a little bit of, or a lot of behind the wheel training type stuff, not necessarily training drivers, but training trainers within your kind of role capacity. So do you know of, I mean, would it be, do you think in what Stephanie has said that it would be beneficial that if trainers maybe separated their training process so that like a phase one was CDL training for just the commercial map 21 piece. And then just here in Arizona, after they get their CDL, uh, yeah, I guess after they get their CDL, then doing a phase B of like their DPS hours that they're, that they're needed to become a bus driver. Do you, do you see people doing that? Or do you think that that's a recommended process that now that we have to meet this criteria that rather than confusing drivers, like, Oh, I got to do hazmat. Why would I do that? That that separation to say, well, we're going to get your CDL first. Now we're going to get your bus driver certification. I think that it's fair. I feel like there's a lot of people out there that see it just like that. Um, it's all one curriculum, right? But it seems easier when you separate it out. Uh, so I do see people out there asking me a lot questions about, you know, what, what should I do in this case? I got drivers that need this education behind the wheel. I mean, this, you know, for the classroom, how do we separate this? Well, we've kind of always done that, right? So, but it's all still one big curriculum. So, I mean, I guess it'll go either way and we'll figure it out as a transportation uh, team. Well, I think that's definitely the the piece about Map 21, right, where our first deadline was supposed to be, 
last January 2020, and then mm. that got pushed back to January of 2022. So now we're we're here, you know, kind of just spinning our wheels, right? Everybody, I think, really ramped up right before COVID, trying to meet this deadline of January, and then all of a sudden the feds weren't ready for their website for trainers because there has to be you have to register as a training facility you have to register your trainers you have to you know do all of these things and their databases and systems weren't ready so they push it back a whole another two years and then covid happened and then it was like well we all kind of forgot about it and so i think steph you could probably talk to this you've been getting a lot of questions and we just talked about this the other day like is map 21 still even a thing right it just kind of like really sort of to some people fell off the face of the earth because because of covid and and all of that so i mean obviously from what you're hearing still the 20 the 2022 deadline is still in play well yes it it isn't not going to happen it will happen and i think you you really hit it on the head when you said there's going to be one website and all 50 states have to in their network somehow um, link up to that link up to that one website. And so it isn't it isn't that the government isn't necessarily ready to get it started. It's the requirement of saying, okay, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Arizona, California, Washington, you all have to have the capability to link into this website. Well, you know, we know in one classroom setting, there's there's students and pupils who are going to be ready for that, and then some who aren't behind. So you, you have to always teach to the lowest common denominator. And in this case, MAP21 is happening. The website registration probably will open. You're going to see states that are still trying to catch up. Hey, we don't have that capability yet. Hey, we're not able to provide what you're requiring of the states. We're not able to provide that yet. And, and I, you know, it's anybody's guess if the February 7, 2022 deadline is going to be changed again. It's anybody's guess. And all we can do is just continue to look at the resources they give us to see if it's the same or changing. Sure. So one of the things that we did and, and uh, you know, unfortunately, some others weren't able to be here with us today to just add a little bit of end user perspective. But one of the things that we did at our district when this was coming out to gear up for it was like Stephanie said, went through all of our training material that we've had and kind of really just combed it through and matched up. Okay. We've, we're talking about this topic, right turns, left turns. Um, we had to add, uh, there's a piece in there about driving during the nighttime, right? Nobody ever thought about taking drivers out and training them during the dark, right? So what does that look like? Do you have to, you know, move somebody's shift so that way you're doing it, um, you know, potentially after 8 or 9 p.m. up there in Washington. It probably gets dark around, what, 10, 10 o'clock sometimes during the summertime. So, um, you know, what does that look like? Or do they have to come in super early in the morning and, and go train? Um, you know, so it's there's there's a lot of stuff that we went there and we created what we call a roadmap. Um, so that way, if we did get audited, we could say, this topic is talked about in this section and this section and this section. And then that way, you know, if uh, who I would assume our, our Department of Transportation would come in, you know, ADOT would come in and, and do a comb through audit on our training to see 
and ensure that we're talking about those and training those 93 topics. So um, that was one of the things that was helpful for us. And we actually went through and did a whole revamp of our training material that really turned it into modules and sections so that you had to show proficiency in the section before you could move on to the next section. Sometimes what we were finding was that, and what I've seen from other districts, trainers will just bounce around like, oh, well, they're not really getting this, so we're going to move on to this, and we're going to show them something different, and then we'll come back and reteach, you know, maybe left-hand, maybe they're just not getting left-hand turns, so we're going to go do right-hand turns rather than really pushing them to be proficient in the left-hand turns before we're moving on to something else. So um, those were kind of the the ideas that we're really getting in to that training. And I think one of the other things that, again, this idea that, you know, trainers from what I've seen, and, and maybe it's different in other states. So if people are listening and want to share their feedback, I'd love to hear it. I think it's interesting in that because we're so short staffed and because trainer, usually bus driver trainers are out driving a bus, you have people that are going out, they drive a route, they come back, and they're only able to train for two to three hours, right? Well, what can you really get done in three hours? You can get a, a little bit done, but when you think about how many hours go into training, by the time you get back or the time that it's ended, you've got six to, you know, call it six, seven weeks worth of bus driver training. Well, that's six, seven weeks that you have somebody on payroll that isn't driving a school bus for you yet, right? So one of our methods was to protect the trainer and really focus on what we're calling 80 hours of training. We do basically 40 hours of classroom, which is really pared down. We kind of do it in three or four days, but we give them the first full week of classroom and then transition into behind the wheel. And then the second week we're, you know, eight hours a day in behind the wheel training to knock out everything and get a driver behind, hopefully behind the wheel in two weeks. So if somebody's coming in with a class A or maybe a class B, like, you know, say Chad wants to come be a bus driver, but he needs his PNS endorsements. He's still got to get his hours to be able to be a certified bus driver. He's got to go through all of that training again. So it's really, we've seen a lot of positives behind it, but it also takes that commitment from people to really protect their trainer and get them the ability to, to train for a consistent six to eight hours a day without having to go out and drive routes. So that's our, you know, kind of methodology behind what we've done. And, you know, everything, everybody since really last January, 2020 has been trained with this idea of, uh, or, or around the 93 topics that the map 21 is, is putting out there. And Stephanie, you've seen what our training module is. So, you know, is there any reason why, I mean, I understand why, but why why we wouldn't adopt or as a state some sort of training program that everybody, I understand what MAP21 is doing, but when you think about all the rural districts that are out there that are one-man bands that don't have PowerPoint capabilities or, you know, just the notion or the know-how to go ahead and put that together, like why wouldn't we as a state give a training module to, you know, kind of one size fits all model. Well, that, that you and I have talked about this before and the, uh, the perceived lack of cohesive leadership when it comes to transportation and school bus world, you have to have an entity in the state 
you know, whether it's at the very top, the superintendent of public instruction, whether it's the Department of Education, um, somebody at the top has to have a priority of unifying and standardizing either training or qualification guidelines or whatever, whatever needs to come in place. And we don't have that in the state of Arizona, where we are one of the few states in the U.S. that doesn't have a big overseeing entity in charge of, you know, quantifying what does standardization look like. And because of that, there isn't a priority by our student transportation unit to provide training. And they've made that clear. Their, their job, and they're, they're very effective at what they do, but their job is twofold to, to inspect school buses and to provide feedback on the guidelines that are there for school buses. They're, they've gotten away from saying their job is to provide training. And so since we don't have that in the state, you know, it's up to the individual entities like the transportation administrators of Arizona or, you know, someone like our company who insures all but four of the public school districts in the state. It, it has to come from it's driven from below instead of from the top. And until that changes, you know, that's that's the challenges. Those are some of the challenges we're going to face in our particular situation in Arizona. I like I like the idea of doing it in modules like that's brilliant actually so my question is do you guys have like if they get the first module then they're going to understand the second module better if they get the first two they understand the third one better is that how you guys have yeah so module one is basically their class what we call classroom training or what is commonly known as classroom training so driver if chad if you were a brand new driver to us you'd come in your module one is made up of several sections and each section you know, goes through all of the all the 93 topics that have to be talked about in the map 21 piece, along with, you know, some of the other stuff, nuts, little nuts and bolts. How does Kyrene do? You know, this is our culture. This is our this is how you clock in. This is, you know, you, some of your um, human resources type videos that you got to watch sexual harassment, you know, um, being a good employee, all of that stuff. That's all part of module one. Once you complete module one, that's the end of that is the 50 questions from DPS. Those are the, the written tests that you have to take upon completion of that. Then we phase you into module two, which is behind the wheel. So we do a whole pre-trips, you know, module one or sorry, session one and module two is all based on pre-trip. And then from there we go into a closed course. So we start teaching right-hand turns and left-hand turns and tail swing and movement of the bus, securing the bus, all of that right on our lot. When I first got there, we were putting drivers right into a bus and taking them right out on the road without even ever having to, to turn, you know, ever did anything. So um, that can be a little daunting when you're like, ooh, what am, what am I doing here? We keep them right on, right on property and have a closed course set up that they can go through and get familiar with the bus. So... Then, after they complete all that, they get tested, they get their CDL. After we get them on a bus route, we have a Module 3 that brings them back in within the you know first six months, and they have several sessions that they have to go through that work with student management, work with you know any concerns that they might have um, about what they've experienced so far from the first day of driving a school bus by themselves with students on board 
to, you know, really coach and train and continue that, you know, development as a bus driver all the way through. So it's kind of, you know, two stay or two, two modules to get your CDL and then, you know, one to kind of continue just the development after the fact. We don't just throw you the keys and say, good luck. You know, we want to make sure that you're, that you feel valued as a bus driver and that we're, you know, really protecting our investment. Because when you think about it, you're an asset to us now. We've trained you. You're an, you're an investment to us and we've invested in you to, you know, to hopefully stick around and, and keep with the job. I mean, that sounds like something the state should adopt. I mean, how to, surely there's a way to push something like that through to make everything uniform across the state, correct? And those are the things that we, you know, what I'm hopeful that we get out of this show is that, you know, getting legislators or getting the the superintendent of public instruction or getting, uh, you know, maybe even the governor listens to it. But, you know, we've seen so much pushback from DPS, whether that's because, you know, all of our law enforcement agencies are, are fairly underfunded and they don't have the capacity or the, the wherewithal because, you know, when you think about the DPS troopers, they're also responsible for, you know, commercial the commercial side, right? You see the troopers out there that are pulling, you know, semi-trucks over, having to do, you know, work with that, and there's only a handful of them. So when you think about there's, I think I've heard in the past, there's, you know, how many, well, Chad, you might know, how many bus drivers, or how many buses, school buses do you think are in the state? There's 8,000-some drivers, so there's got to be more than 8,000 school buses, right? Probably Correct. You are close correct. Close to 10, 15,000 school buses are probably out there that need to be inspected, I would imagine. You know, yeah, with all, the, with all the spares and trip buses and stuff. Sure. Sure, absolutely. You're, you're 10,000 or more, yeah. So when you think a couple guys, and now that they're revamping that, it sounds like I've heard DPS is now doing – they're not going district to district and just hammering it out. They're going to be on a schedule of – like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, they're going to do 20 buses per day, and then if they don't finish, they're coming back the next week, right? In the past, it's been they would come in, they've got four or five guys there, and they blow through a fleet in, you know, two, three days, and then they move on to the next district. So sounds like they're they're restructuring a few things, but again, that's only inspection of the school bus. That's not overseeing training. Right, right now we're only governed and training by what minimum standards has to say. But when Steph, you can step in here. I mean, what is we've talked about this before last year before COVID, so maybe a good idea to refresh it. But what does Washington do? Right, I mean, you used to be a trainer there, so can you talk just briefly on what is Washington or even California's model? I think California doesn't have to do Map Twenty One. Is that correct, or they still fall under the guise of Map Twenty One because of what their school bus training is? So California is the only state in the U.S. exempt for school bus driver training. They don't have to step up and change anything in their state regarding uh, changes because their training was is overseen by their state, the equivalent of our DPS, Department of Public Safety units, the state troopers, the police. So the idea for California is their their training is already above the standard that the federal government wants the other states to be at. So California didn't have to change anything because they already meet or exceed what the rest of the states need to get to. As far as have a one size model, right? It's like every every district or every every entity has to teach the same thing. Is that correct? Well, the districts they. People, so 
it goes back to training qualifications to be a driver trainer. To be a driver trainer, you have to go through the straight state program. And so right there off the bat, they're already ahead of someone like Arizona who doesn't have a training program for trainers. Washington State is the same way. If you want to be a driver trainer, you have to go through a state training program. And here, when you go through this program, here are all the state things that you have to teach or your program isn't up to snuff. That's the difference in approach between a state like California and, and Washington and someone like Arizona who doesn't have oversight of to be a trainer. You have to meet these. You have to do this and this and this. And we're going to teach you how to train this and this and this. So the yeah. idea. And even that, to be a trainer in Arizona, you take a take the same 50 question test and your supervisor writes a letter. So check. And I think you have to be a, to be behind the wheel trainer. You have to be a bus driver for a year to be a for classroom a trainer. It's a week, yep. right. Or a month. I don't know. It was, it was less than a year to be a classroom trainer. So like literally you could get your, you can get it the day after yeah. you get in the state of Arizona, you can become a classroom trainer. The moment that you get your DPS bus driver certification and you know, I, I, how does that benefit anybody? Well, sure. I mean, how do you, how do you, if Chad, you come in, you taught your, your self-taught theoretically, right? Self-taught in, in driving a CDL, you come in, get your credentials. And now I'm just going to say, here's our training program. Go teach bus drivers. Right. I mean, that's, that's where it's like, you find that value in uh, Stephanie. How long is that course in Washington for like a week? Two weeks. It's, Two weeks. It's a week of classroom and a week of behind the wheel. And if you don't successfully teach those things, you don't get a training certification and you can't teach. It's pretty stringent. So they provide you like a training book to go home with and teach, you know, to teach your staff then? Or is that posted on a website? So it's, it's posted on a website. You have to spend two weeks at the facility with state trainers and then if you successfully get through it they give you all of the tools that you need and it's online and you can print you get the book you get the training tools and then you're audited every so often you're you have to go to a refresher training as a driver trainer every single year to maintain that training certification so let's use chad as an example here in the state of arizona if ABC school district hires Chad, he gets his bus driver certificate and the next day, oh, by the way, Chad, you're going to be our new trainer. He's going to do the best he can with what he has. And say he does that for five years. And it's, and let's face it, it's probably going to be substandard because he doesn't have that context. Hey, well, it's going to be. Well, no, not, not you personally, but, <laughs> but generically i'm speaking yes yes so when when chad says you know what i'm moving up and i'm going to become the director i'm going to hire a new trainer what chad can teach that new trainer he didn't have the context to start with and so when he goes to teach a new trainer that trainer is now not going to have the full context and comprehensive vision either and that just perpetuates that's going to continue poor training, poor approach, uh, lack of understanding state and federal guidelines. It's not Chad's fault. Chad did the best he could with what he had, but the next person is in the same position. And you can't break that cycle until either you A, hire someone with good, proper experience and a good background, or someone in the state 
takes up and says, hey, we need to all get on the same page. And for these driver trainers to actually be effective, they need to be part of a training program as well. I, I think that's what this all comes down to is we need to teach trainers how to train properly, how to find the guidelines, and then how to put together a comprehensive program. And Jason, that's your gripe. We don't have it. How do we get it? Well, but that's, I mean, kind of what lit is, you know, trying leadership and training is, is trying to be right. But we would love it to be either somehow accredited or, you know, adopted by the state or the state, you know, says you need to go through this program, whatever, whatever that might look like. Right. We still have a lot of, a lot of work to go, but yeah, that is, that is the gripe. That is the, the cry for help, so to speak. And I don't know. I just don't, I don't know for right now. I don't, I don't know that anybody cares to at the lead, you know, at the government leadership level really cares to hear about it. Right. I mean, it's, you've got, we've got school bus advisory council, minimum standards, the rewrite has been open for the last couple of years. I, I would have thought COVID time with all of us being able to meet virtually and via zoom that we would have been able to knock it out and submit it. But, you know, obviously the government had their hands full with, you know, a crisis. So I get it. It's not, you know, it's not important. And, you know, it's one of those small projects that get backburned and fall by the wayside, unfortunately. So. Well, well it, is, it, it is headed in the right direction because I read somewhere that in 1960 they hired one trainer for the state of Arizona. One. They had one trainer for the state of Arizona. So at least we are kind of headed in the right direction, but we need to finish. We need to cross that finish line. Yeah, so you're saying 60 years later we've we've made some strides? <laughs> hey, you know, what can you say? It's yeah. something, Jason. Well, the people want it. It's a, it's a matter of <clears throat> people getting together and – forcing that movement. I I can't tell you how many times I've heard since leadership and training started, Stephanie, this program is amazing. It's putting us all on the same page. Thank goodness it started because now trainers don't have to figure out what to do, where to find information. You're teaching us all kind of standardizing what we need. People want it. They are sponges. It It's a matter of finding more Jasons more corals, more chads, more Stephanies to get together and say, okay, we've got this great thing. Now do we, how do we get buy-in from the leadership at the top? Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, it, it, maybe it is the, you know, the legislators, right? They all come out with these crazy harebrained ideas and, and start, you know, writing house bills and Senate bills that they try to get passed to have to do a school bus without ever really talking to any of us about it. So I don't know who they're getting their information from, but it would be nice to, you know, to have them hear from us. Right. And give some, a little bit of insight. So I don't know, I'm going to pedal this, this one out to the government and see if they'll listen to the podcast and, you know, maybe they will come on and, and talk and maybe we'll, we will find somebody to champion it. I, I don't know. So, so it, it'll be similar formula to when we did the bus stop, the, um, the stop arm podcast a couple months ago. Yep. Where the lady out of Pennsylvania took it upon herself to go to legislation, a you know, legislator push it through and made something happen. So this needs to be a similar situation, but it'll have to be someone like Jason or Stephanie or Coral that has to go and push this through. And it's it can be done if it's done on such a small level where a mom can get something done in Pennsylvania. We as school districts and dealers or whatever can and trust can get something done in the state of Arizona. Yeah, I, and I I think. I mean, there's some differences, right, in that we, 
we are looking for an entity, whether it's Arizona Department of Ed or or somebody. I mean, DPS can certainly step up and do this, but it's it's having the manpower to oversee the program, right? When you talk about the differences between the stop arm camera piece, that is really where bus patrol came in and kind of, you know, put that whole program together. So really the legislation just had to be passed and approved. Whereas this, there's certifications that have to be oversaw or uh, there, there are, there's training, right? If we have, we have to have a facility where bus driver trainers can go or people, potential bus driver trainers can go to be, taught so that's somebody that's teaching the curriculum to these people right there's you know there's there's so much more that's involved in that and stephanie could talk yeah go ahead stephanie you know what well, that, that looks like i was i was just gonna say now is the perfect opportunity for something like that to happen if it can because map 21 the point of this discussion map 21 spells out what a program should look like you know someone if someone was to put something together at the state level the curriculum is already put together for them. They don't have to figure out the what. They have to figure out the how. Sure. Okay, here's the information we have. How do we put a program together? Will you look to the other states that are successful, like the state of California, who doesn't have to participate because they're already, you know, excelling in that, or another state like either Colorado or uh, Washington State, where they've already got programs in place. Here's the information Map 21 is saying. Now just get it out there. Yeah. But so we need we need that trainer from 1960 to come back and oversee. <laughs> oh, good grief! <laughs> so, so my point is, yes, it is a larger scale. I, I, I understand that, but it can be done. It, it may take so. more work for someone to get it pushed through. Squeaky and it's going to take more work on the back side. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? I mean, it's just going to take more and more. Just And, and, and like I said, the, the whole point of the show was to bring conversations like this together and get it out there. It's not going to do us any good talking about it in TAA or in virtual rooms or amongst each other, right? It's going to take somebody who's going to finally go, you know what? I've had it or I want to champion this and push it on. Or a handful of people, right? It's got to start driving towards downtown to, to get in front of the people that are the decision makers. So that's what I'm going to say. About I vote. It. I vote for Jason. Well, I vote. Steph, I'm going to vote for Chad with his crown. Yeah, so I'm voting for yeah. Jason, yeah, you're it, buddy. Steph already said I'm. A, I'd be a terrible trainer. I wouldn't do a good job. I can't do this. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake! Is that really what I said? Chad got his feelings I, hurt is what he's saying. So, Well, when it comes out to the public, we can listen to it again and see if that's exactly what you said. Well, I'll tell you what, Chad. I have several crowns in which you can choose from. I will let you borrow one of them. There you go. Hey, bring, it, bring it to TAA. He can wear it up there. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit. I think we, we covered a good chunk of Map 21, and there's going to be a lot more information that's going to be coming out. So on the on the training side but let's let's switch gears into the clearing FMCSA clearing drug and alcohol clearinghouse that is already in play uh, the deadline for that was i think it was January 5th right oh la well last year yes correct sorry January 5th 2020 um, so you had one year to get through and get your annual queries done on your employees and basically what the clearinghouse is stephanie i'm going to reach out to you to give us the down and dirty 
clearinghouse, a drug and alcohol clearinghouse, what the purpose of, and this not to be confused with the publisher's clearinghouse. No, because I've never won the publisher's clearinghouse, so I I don't think I don't think it's even remotely related. Um, the the drug and alcohol clearinghouse, like I said at the beginning, is part of the whole Obama Map Twenty One moving ahead, getting safer for CDL drivers. It is a requirement. It's not optional. If you are an entity who employs commercial drivers, you have to participate in it as an employer. You have to pull uh, what's called a query, which is a request. Hey, tell me about uh, tell me about CDL driver Coral. Is her background good when it comes to drug and alcohol? Has she done all her? Has she passed all her tests? Is she good to go? That's basically what it is. Um, as a CDL driver, you're also required to register yourself because the clearinghouse is about you. It's about your license. So if an employer pulls something on you, you have to have given permission to that employer to say, sure, I want to be employed with you. So I give you permission to pull anything about my CDL uh, drug and alcohol testing history. Now, it is tied to federal funding. All of this is. So if you don't participate or if you're out of compliance, if your entity re re receives any sort of federal funding for, you know, transportation or food services or special needs services, and you're out of compliance and uh, you are audited and it's, it's found that you're out of compliance, you're at risk for losing that federal funding for your entity. So the bottom line is, if you're a CDL driver, you have to register yourself. If you're an entity who hires CDL drivers, you have to register yourself as an entity. And then you have to pull those requests on all of the drivers that you hire. This isn't an optional thing. If you haven't done it by now, you are out of compliance. You're a year out of compliance. So get yourself familiar. Can I give, Jason, can I give the um, website address for... For the clearinghouse oh. or for TAA? I mean, TAA has the information on there, you know, of okay. what, okay. Of, of kind of, a, you know, the, the version that you put together of, of what it is, how to be in compliance, the um, the consent forms, the, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different information on this. So, you know, if you want to go check out the Transportation Administrators of Arizona website, taa-online.org is the website to go to. Um, they've got a pretty good, you know, informational piece up there that really was just put for Arizona, but anybody can use it. Um, just kind of, again, of what it, what it is, how to, how to query, how to get consent, um, you know, from your employees, how to get them signed up. Um, so there's, there's a lot of information that is there for anybody that's looking, but also they can go right to FMCSA's website on the clearinghouse. They've got a pretty good walkthrough of um, brochures and how to, how to purchase query packs. Um, queries cost a dollar. So, you know, every time that you run a query, either a limited query or a full query, you have to pay a dollar for that. And they're not getting any money, um, out of that, it's pretty easy. So if you've got 150 employees, I, you know, we've got hundred or so drivers. We ran, I purchased 300 queries, so they're good until they run out and I'll re, you know, repurchase them in, a, in probably a couple of years when we run out. But I think I want to add in there that there's two pieces to this, right? Not only if you employ current drivers have to get queried, 
you also need to be querying potential employees. So any applicants that you have coming in that you want to extend a job offer, they have to be queried also before you actually extend that job offer. And I think the piece, at least when I did the the, the class that uh, FMCSA was putting on here in, in, in the Valley, they had talked about the whole idea, I think, is really where they were seen mostly on like the East Coast where states are very close together, right? You can go from Maryland down to, was it Vermont or, you know, whatever states are right next to each other. Somebody gets fired from one place for having, you know, tested positive for some sort of substance. They go right into the next state and get reemployed by somebody else, get a new, you know, new driver's license and, and all that there's nothing that was communicating their violation from state to state, right? So that's where this comes in and, and why it's such a big deal. And so I just, I, I you know, you can Google the numbers. There's um, some articles that are out there. But just in September of 2020, this is an article that I'm looking at. Uh, FMCSA stated that almost 2 million queries have been run so far. So that was just a few months ago. Um, pre for, for pre-employment, 45% limited queries and 2% full queries from the previous month report. Uh, for the first nine months of the year, 40,422 violations have been reported. Of those violations, 39,541 were drug-related, and the rest, 892, being alcohol violations. So that's, you know, when you think about that, that's everybody, right? Truck drivers, bus drivers, anybody who hosts a CDL. Those are people that are impaired driving on the road, right, it, it, to some extent or some level. So I think, you know, we talk, we, we go back to the beginning of the show, we're talking about this being safer for the road, right, safer for, for not only CDL drivers, but everybody else who's around us that's driving around us, right? So um, there's a whole piece, right? If, you, if you're an employer and somebody tests positive, not only are they not going to drive for you, they have to go through a whole series of steps along with counseling and, and all sorts of other things that they have to go through before they can get reinstated. They just can't go, well, I'll wait my two years because that's what it currently was. If you tested positive, your, you know, your driver's, or not your license, but at least for bus drivers, your, your certification was suspended for two years. After two years, you could reapply to become a bus driver again. So they, that, that goes away now in this, right? It's, they can't get their license back until they complete all the information that they have to do. So, um, pretty interesting there, but. Well, and that goes back to the idea of what Obama's team was saying. You know, there's an inc a rise in incidents of all CDL drivers across the U.S. They're being tired. They're not educated about drug use. So the what the point of this website, this this accountability piece to this is, is education. Sure. It's taking that guesswork from the entity, whether it's a company, whether it's a school district, whatever it is, it's taking the guesswork out of, well, what do I need to do with this driver? And the driver is like, well, I can just sit on it for a period of time and get my license back. Sure. It's actually making the companies and the drivers 
accountable through education. The, the website isn't meant to revoke licenses and remove um, someone's livelihood from them. That's not the point of it. The point of it is to, okay, so you were taking a prescription drug. You didn't know that, you know, it was something you shouldn't be taking. We're going to educate you for the time being you can't drive. But if you go through these steps, we're going to let you drive again. And everyone, they pull a query on you, whoever you drive for is going to be able to see, oh, sure, you had an issue one time, but you followed the process and did the steps you were supposed to. That's really the point of it is getting back to that education piece. Sure. And in a little bit further information on that in that article, 20,000 of those of, of that number that I reported earlier, almost 21,000 were for pre-employment. So 21,000 people that had a violation um, wow. that... You know, so potentially twenty one thousand people that without this could have been hired on sure. you know, to to CEL. Fourteen thousand three hundred and forty were from from random uh, random drug tests that test positive also. So, um, you know, it's it's like I said, there's there's a lot of information in here about it, and FMCSA has a pretty good website that's dialed in about you know um, what this looks like. TAA with you know with a lot of help from the trust. Um, Stephanie put together a really good piece about what this, what all of this that we've talked about today looks like for your department. So whether you're in Arizona, whether you're in uh, anywhere, honestly, take a look at that. It's, it's pretty well written as far as understandability, right? The government has a, has this way of, you know, putting things in language that you're like, what does that mean? I have no idea. Stephanie breaks it down for you really well written that you can understand what this does and really step-by-step step how to become compliant um, when it comes to not only the clearinghouse, but also MAP21. So um, just going to kind of wrap it up here. Final thoughts from you guys on on MAP21 clearinghouse. Chad, did you know about any of this? A little bit of it, yeah. Yeah, obviously I knew about clearinghouse because we've covered this before. I learned about it months ago when we just discussed it. Um, the map 21, uh, pretty interesting. I knew, was, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know to this extent at all. Yeah. Um, also want to clarify that there are about almost 8,500 buses in the state of Arizona. There you go. Totally. So I don't know if that includes McKinney Vento, you know, the smaller white ones or sure. not, but anyway, I just want to clear that up. Um, no, it's very informative. I think, I think you guys are on the right track. I think it is something that needs to be uniform across the state. I'm not, I'm a little baffled that it's not, but Jason, I hear you're going to take that on, make that happen. So we all appreciate you for that. I and was, uh, I was on a roll yesterday in another meeting. So Stephanie oh, said I was oh. in a mood. Oh God, that'd have been fun. Wish I was there. I was on a pretty tall soapbox, but it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing but that yeah, we all no, don't but. Uh, but yeah, very, very informative. I think this will help uh, some of the transportation directors that are new. Sure. Hopefully they listen to this that don't really grasp it. Again, like if I was a trainer, I would struggle with this. So this uh, podcast would help me as a new trainer. Thank sure. you, Stephanie. You're welcome, Chad. I, I've got three crowns from you to choose from. Sweet. I can't wait. Coral, what are your what are your final thoughts to, you know, maybe some of the, the people that you've worked with over the last year, year and a half, just driver trainers that are out there that might be feeling overwhelmed. What would you what would you say to them? just about kind of what we've talked about. Yeah. You know, there are 
I know that there are driver trainers out there that are just pulling their hair out. And I just want to tell you guys, hang on, hang on and reach out to any one of these entities. So the trust, TAA, come find us. We are here for you. Just reach out. It's, it's okay. You don't have to be stressed out. You are not in this alone. We are all together on this, on this journey, right? And we just need to get together, get together and talk about it. And here you go. Yeah. Right. And my hope is, my hope is that with this recording, that it will reach legislature ears and that Jason, you can make it happen. Well, I'm hopeful, but cautiously optimistic at the same time. So <laughs> yeah. we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up with Steph. What, uh, if, if, if people wanted to reach out, you know, I, I think the trust has put on a ton of information. You guys have been so busy creating content and whatnot, and just keeping people busy through COVID. But if they have questions about just training in general, how do they reach Stephanie or do you have a, just a generic um, email for the, the trust that they can reach out to you with questions if they have questions? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Our email address is transportation at the hyphen trust.org. You can reach anybody in the transportation department there. I see them all. So if you've got questions about how to or where to find information, or if you want me to look at what you've come up with, like Jason's breaking his program down into modules, I'm happy to do that. Again, like Coral said, don't be overwhelmed. Start at the beginning. How how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? So first start with what it is that we have to be doing and then what you have and break it down into usable parts. It's you can do it. You really can. I don't think Chad's ever eaten an elephant. You don't you don't eat elephants, do you? Like <laughs> horrible. What? <laughs> Also, 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 give me that, give me that, give me that email address one more time. How do you spell hyphen? It's the dash. Wow. I know. I'm kidding. I, see, if you were wearing the proper crown, you wouldn't need to ask these questions because you would just know. Princess is as princess does. <laughs> Wait. Oh, the princess crowns. So not. Oh my. Okay. Well, we can go to. I guess we could go to Burger King and just get you one of the paper ones that you can wear. I have one of those that were around the house. I'm sure that you do. That, that so the expectation me. is, next time we see you, it'll be on. That should be the TAA theme, uh, royalty or something like that. <laughs> I'll wear it. Bring a crown. Bring a crown. I'll be there. Bring it. Well, I'll we'll, throw it on. We'll wrap it up for today. I appreciate you guys being here on Saturday. Thank Chad, you. Welcome to Arizona. I think you're finally here for uh, for good, right? So. I only got everything moved here except and... except for the except for the kid. He's next. There you go. Well, good nice. luck with that, and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon in a couple weeks. So everybody enjoy your Easter and heat's coming. So stay safe and good luck. Thank you. Thank you guys. Appreciate Bye. it. Thank you. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional. You are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. 
and check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off.